Homo Abyssus, The Drama of the Question of Being, by Ferdinand Ulrich, translated by D.C. Schindler. Chapter 2, A Preliminary Elucidation of the Crisis of Being from the Perspective of Bonitas. 1. Thoughts, Struggle, and Temptation in the Experience of the Sense of Being. It will be claimed that no matter how much we may deny it, we persist in trying to make being itself the place from which the speculative unfolding takes its pure beginning. To be sure, we do make our beginning in being, as Hegel does in his logic. Nevertheless, the reason we do so is to unmask this being in its pseudo-substance, and thus to see through the contradiction that had been elevated into the basic substance of speculative thought. But isn't thought's fall into contradiction inevitable to the extent that it takes being as being to be the goal of its movement? Don't we necessarily posit the contradiction if we begin with being as being? No. If we correctly assess the beginning, we also overcome the contradiction. The contradiction is always already resolved if thought follows being's kenosis which does not allow reason to come to a rest in the pseudo-wealth of a substantialized center of being, but orders reason into the poverty of the little way. By obeying this command, thought successfully undergoes the ontological difference and overcomes the temptation of the contradiction that says, being is nothing. We are able to sublate the contradiction, therefore, only if thought has always already left this critical place and entered in its finitude onto the path. When thought does so, we see the truth of the claim that being is similitudo divine bonitatis. Reason, which stands at the bidding of absolute love, desubstantializes the vacillation of being. It cannot moor itself in being but is radically turned toward the multiplicity of the finite. It always has God at its back, so to speak. But this absence of God, this darkness and distance, is a sign of his nearness. What would truly alienate us from God is possessing being as something juxtaposed to him. The pure mediation of being, which is nothing, by contrast unveils God's infinite loving presence. In this case, the speculative proposition about being does not get entangled in a pseudo-subsistence that finite reason would ascribe to being as a medium inter creatum et increatum. It is from this beginning that the radical movement of thought finds its way, which passes through non-subsistent being and is able to attain an encounter with God himself hidden in being at the very same time that it comes to a thoughtful agreement with the world of created things. The struggle facing us calls us, and all the trial and tribulation that lies in the place of the speculative unfolding, where all thought seems to be set at odds with itself and driven into the dialectic of contradiction, to withstand the temptation to falsely hypostasize being. In listening obedience to the necessary or need-relieving sense of being, 
which cancels out and annihilates all pseudo-subsistence, and in which being unveils itself in its absolute positivity as God, or as finite being. But because being, as similitudo divine bonitatis, cannot cling to itself in indecision next to God, and because the necessary sense of being becomes manifest to us precisely therein, the sense of being which frees thought from the prison of being's hypostasis, has its roots in the bonitas divina, which gives unreservedly everything that it gives. 2. How should we understand the sense of being in light of divine goodness? What does the sense of being mean? Is there, in fact, anything asked in this question? Doesn't this question once again take being as being in itself to be a mediator between God and the creature? And isn't the attempt then made to explain how and why this being as such in relation to God and the creature has a sense? Isn't being in this case projected toward a telos, which does not lie in itself, so that it can come to completion and find itself only in an other? And if we then go on to say that being is either God or creature, then aren't we inevitably saying that being means the same thing, is, regardless of whether we're referring to God or to the creature, and as univocal ends indifference, it resolves the ontological vacillation at one stroke by affirming itself as both God and the world? But doesn't this also then raise the question concerning the sense of God? Doesn't God then have to disappear into being in such a way that he would mediate himself and find his own meaning precisely by giving determination to the being that is yet undetermined with respect to its goal by negating that indeterminacy and making it concrete, whereby being would then also realize its sense? Does God not thereby become entangled with the being of beings, and thus with finitude as such? But if the sense of being is interpreted in this way, wouldn't God be interpreted as a process that achieves its sense through the creation of the finite, and acts imposed on God by necessity? And if, moreover, man as capax entis, as embodied spirit, and precisely as such, opens the ontological difference speculatively, is it not then he who gives being its sense, insofar as he enacts the determination of undetermined being at every moment by opening up and interpreting the difference, and guides it to its concrete mediation, while thus, in doing so, sublating the substantial, in itself, character of abstract an empty being in himself as subject? The problem is that being does not allow itself to be posited in advance as a pseudo-subsistent thing in order that the question of the sense of being may subsequently be raised. The sense of being can only express the fact that reason, in the speculative act of thought that is obedient to being, experiences this being as a self-emptying, non-being next to God, and that therefore being, although it is the actuality of all acts, 
and therefore the perfection of all perfections, is nevertheless a non-subsistence, that it does not subsist as the actus ultimus, but is always already God or creature. This decision, however, is never something that being makes on its own. If it did, being would ultimately possess itself and would be closed up in the glory of its hypostasizing prior to all self-emptying. The self-emptying of being itself would be nothing more than a show, a pseudo-obedience, because everything would have always already been secured in advance, already left behind and made a thing of the past. The negativity of the non-subsistence of being would not be taken seriously. Being would pass through its different modes only in appearance, but historicity and finitude would reveal themselves as a provocation, a means that being, which has been substantialized and panlogistically conceptualized, uses to prove itself. Because outside of God, being is always already finite ends. The investigation of being's inherence in the finite ends is therefore already reason's encounter with God, the transcendental deduction of being from God. Just as we cannot achieve the foregrasp of being as being through a linear sublimation of being on the basis of the ends, so too we cannot draw the difference of being from God as God's first effect in a linear way by fixing on the absolute as its starting point. The being which inheres in creatures cannot be understood except as derived from the divine being. It is only the innest of essay that allows us to make the derivation. Every unfolding in the sense of a deductum goes astray if it does not draw its power from the weight of the essay, quod rebus creatis inest. But this is the weight of the creative positing of the ends. To speak of thought's listening obedience to the necessary sense of being therefore means that man is open to the ground on the basis of which alone being as being can be speculatively unfolded, that is, dehypostasized, the bonitas divina. Bonum autum est difficivum sui. Receptive obedience to the necessary sense of being therefore means unfolding being precisely as this similitudo divine bonitatis into the twofold single difference from the finite and toward the infinity of the ipsum esse subsistence without fixing it as the point of departure for speculation and positing contradiction at the outset. The transcendental constitution of the good or of being as love preserves this speculative beginning without binding it in the logicized, rationally calculated hypostasis of the ontological vacillation. Being as being does not diffuse itself out of its own resources. To be sure, it is the highest likeness of God and represents a completum et simplex, but it is also non-subsistence. Listening obedience to the sense of being therefore reveals further that being's absolute self-diffusion 
may not be hypostasized into a speculative realm on the basis of an absolute self-diffusion, because it is not participated in as a self-enclosed part next to God that is apportioned out in the finite. This latter is the temptation we face whenever we interpret participation in being as the mere composition of being with the recipient subject. Being is instead participated in according to the diffusion of its processions out of God. The diffusion, therefore, never begins from a point next to God. Just as God himself does not first start in the state of not yet having been emptied, in say, as a mere essence sealed up in itself, in order subsequently to mediate himself to himself. Instead, the divine nature is always already shared in the actuality of God's inner life. Thus, being unveils itself in its origin as pure mediation. 3. The goodness of God as the necessity of being's pure mediation, the beginning of the speculative temptation. What we just said is decisive for reasons speculative reaching out toward and achieving a foregrasp of being as being. The speculative act has its beginning in the existing entities that lie before us, in which we are always already involved, and in the midst of which we find ourselves as existing beings. If we therefore begin with what lies before us as given, then Reason's foregrasp of being as being is, in a certain sense, a transcending review, a looking back upon being, on the basis of which the entity is called a being. The review, speculatio, however, does not get mired in being as such. The passage into being does not end in an ultimate, sublimated extension of the ends in which reason would necessarily have to situate and secure being on the ground of the finite, and thus hand it over to contradiction. The speculative foregrasp stands within the necessity of deriving just this being from God. That is, it stands in the tribunal of being's non-subsistence. Thus, in one and the same act, the speculative act swings backward, into the dimension of being as being, even while the non-subsistence of being calls it to swing forward into the dimension of the world of beings. In this back-and-forth swing, being is unveiled as pure mediation, and precisely not dissolved as the actus ascendi, qua actus, of the concrete. We also thereby overcome the temptation to fix the to be as the summit of the basic store of finite, certain, and conceptually graspable substances. If, however, the speculative view of being as being in the analectical foregrasp of the basis of the finite ends is the same as the catalectical deductum ab esse divino, to use Thomas's language, then, in the same moment in which the understanding throws a substantializing veil over being as something that has a reality in itself, so as to be able to master it on the basis of the ends, 
it also reduces the divine being to the level of the finite as its original life source. It is in the end one and the same thing to sublimate being in a merely linear way on the basis of the ends as the ultimate horizon that circumscribes it, which ends with the fixed quantity of empty being, and to derive being from God, next to whom being clings to itself. If we hypostasize being, then we necessarily posit at the same time a loveless, greedy God, impotent to create, a God who cannot communicate being because he is enclosed in himself, a God who keeps being from emptying itself, and therefore opens space for the pseudo-God of being's hypostasis, which finite reason erects for itself in this undertaking. God's love is frozen into a block of absolute essence. Reason now has to set itself to work and reintroduce the negation, the lost non-subsistence, in order to redeem self-withholding being and thereby to free the God who has been fixed as essence from his insaity in the whirl of negations. But even the acrobatics of the absolute contradiction do not get us any further. We are gradually coming to see what we will experience more thoroughgoingly as the speculative temptation that besets the thinking of being.